The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 197 Jesus Christ Resurrected Inside the temple, the high priest consulted with some of the other chief priests. Jesus had been taken to be crucified hours ago. The sun had been darkened for hours. A powerful earthquake had just shaken the area. And only now was the sun beginning to shine again. A Levite had just reported something happening to the veil of the temple. This was all too much to handle. Go to Pilate and tell him that the bodies of Jesus and the other criminals must not stay on those crosses on the holy day, he told his aide. Sunset will be here soon. Whoever buries those miserable bodies will need some time to do so and to prepare for the holy day. He thought of another problem and added further instruction. Sometimes people last for days on the cross. If they're still alive, tell him he must order his soldiers to break their legs so they will die quickly. Pilate sent the soldiers as the Jews had demanded. They took over from the soldiers on the scene and went about the horrible task of crushing the legs of the criminals, causing massive blood loss that killed them even as they suffocated from being unable to lift themselves up to breathe. When the soldiers came to Jesus, they realized he was already dead. Another soldier had already stabbed him with a spear. The soldiers moved on, not breaking his legs, which fulfilled God's instruction that a Passover sacrifice must not have any broken bones. Exhausted from what had happened that day, Pilate began to retire to his private chamber. But one of his servants came to him and said, Joseph of Arimathea, to see you, sir. Downstairs, Joseph was waiting. He was a prominent and honorable Jewish leader, a mining businessman, and a member of the Sanhedrin. He looked troubled. Sir, I would like to speak in private. He requested. Pilate showed him a side room. I must be allowed to bury the body of Jesus of Nazareth, he said. Pilate was surprised by his boldness, but he listened to his request. Joseph had actually been a disciple of Jesus Christ, but he kept this fact secret out of fear of the other Jewish leaders. He was also related to Jesus' mother, and because he was wealthy, he was able to provide a burial place on short notice. The day before, no one thought that they would need a burial place for Jesus today. Since you are kin and are in a position to aid the grieving family, I will command that the body be delivered to you, Pilate said. Soldiers delivered the body to Joseph, who took on the task of burying the now butchered body of someone he had known as a youth. 
and whom he had believed to be the Christ. He did not fully understand why he was dead. But Joseph knew that at least he could be the one to step in and treat his body and his memory honorably. Nicodemus, another member of the Sanhedrin, found Joseph. He had brought with him a large amount of myrrh and aloe mixture to prepare the body for burial. The two men went through the heartbreaking task of wrapping in linen the body of a man they believed was the Christ. Then they took Jesus' body to a nearby garden where there was a new tomb carved out of rock. They laid the body inside, covering the disfigured face with a cloth. Looking around the small space, Joseph wiped away his tears and stepped back outside. Together, he and Nicodemus rolled a huge circular stone over the door of the tomb so no one could enter it. Then they left. The next day, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Pilate was surprised when his servant informed him that a group of chief priests and Pharisees were waiting to see him regarding Jesus of Nazareth. He was especially surprised because he knew it was their holy day. Why have you come today? He asked. Sir, we remember that when that deceiver was alive, he said that he would rise again after three days said one of the Pharisees. We know that is not going to happen, but his disciples could sneak into his burial place and take the body away. Then they will say, he has risen from the dead. Then his influence on people would be even greater than when he was alive. We would have preferred for this criminal to be buried where criminals are usually buried, but we understand that he has instead been buried privately, said one of the priests, frowning. You must command soldiers to guard the tomb until the third day. You can have guards, Pilate answered. Go, make it as secure as you can. The Jews were happy to learn the location of the tomb. They had the Roman soldiers check it and seal the massive stone in place. Then they strictly instructed them to let no one come close. After sundown on the holy day, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices to embalm Jesus' body. There was only time to buy the spices, not enough time to fully embalm the body. Since the next day was Friday, the preparation day, and the day after that was the Sabbath, they would have to wait to do their sad task until Sunday. Toward the end of the weekly Sabbath, the guards of the tomb were continuing their uneventful assignment. Barely anyone had even come within view of the garden the whole time they had been there, and no one had come near the tomb. Suddenly, the ground began to shake powerfully. Then down from the sky came an angel whose face was like lightning whose garments were as white as snow. The guards fell back from the tomb, staggering, <gasps> shaking, 
and then fainting as the angel rolled the stone back from the tomb. The next day, as it began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the garden. It had now been three days and four nights since Jesus was crucified. The women were emotionally exhausted, especially as they faced a very difficult and sad task. As they discussed who they could ask to roll the stone away from the tomb, they passed through the trees and saw the tomb. But the stone had already been rolled away. Hesitantly, they approached the door, holding back tears as they braced themselves to see the dead body of their beloved Christ. They stooped to go inside. The body was gone. Confused and worried, the two women looked at each other. Then turning to the right, they suddenly saw two men with shining white clothing. <gasps> Do not be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. One of the angels said. The women nodded. He is risen. Jesus had prophesied that he would be killed and resurrected in three days and three nights, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. But Jesus' followers, including these women, were not prepared for his death, nor for his resurrection. Look at the place where they laid him, the angel said. Go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that Jesus goes before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he told you before. The women nodded and then quickly exited the tomb, stunned and trembling at what they had just experienced. The two women ran to find Peter and John, who were at one of the disciples' homes. These men were still mourning trying to understand what had happened and still wondering if the Jewish leaders were coming after them next. Out of breath, Mary Magdalene said, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we, and we do not know where they have laid him. She was too stunned and uncertain to understand what the angels had told her. It still was not real to her that Jesus had been resurrected. Forgetting about the danger from the Jews, Peter immediately ran toward the garden. Sprinting ahead of him, John arrived at the tomb first and looked through the opening. There he saw the linen cloths lying to the side. Peter arrived and went inside. He saw the cloths and then noticed that the napkin that had been wrapped around Jesus' head had been neatly placed in another part of the tomb. John also entered and looked around. The men slowly stepped back out of the tomb, shocked. They still did not understand why Jesus' body was not there. 
Jesus' body had disappeared from the tomb near the end of the Sabbath, three days and three nights after it had been placed there. After telling Peter and John about the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene returned to it, not knowing what to do. Even though she had seen it, it was still hard to believe how suddenly and viciously Jesus had been executed. Then she had been required to wait days before embalming his body. She was still trying to come to grips with his death. Now the closure she could have had was gone. Someone had taken his body away, and a strange man had told her that Jesus somehow had gone to Galilee. She began to cry. <laughs> I've taken away my Lord. <laughs> Stooping down to look inside the tomb, Mary again saw two men in white sitting. One was at the head of where Jesus' body had been, and the other was at the feet. Woman, why are you weeping? asked one of the men. Because they have taken away my Lord, Mary said. And I do not know where they have laid him. Turning back away from the tomb, she saw another man standing in the early morning light beneath the trees. She assumed he was the gardener. Woman, why are you weeping? The man asked. Sir, you must know this place. She told him, her vision blurry through her tears. If you are the one who has carried his body away from here. Please tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Sobbing, <laughs> she bent over, holding her head in her hands. Mary, he said. Her sobs suddenly stopped. She turned to the man and looked again. She knew that voice. <gasps> My master! She exclaimed. This turn of events was even more shocking than what she had experienced so far. Jesus the Christ, the one who had cast demons out of her, the Son of God, who had just been crucified, was alive. She wanted to fall at his feet and embrace them and worship him. Do not touch me yet. Jesus Christ told her, I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. Say to them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Jesus Christ was about to ascend to his Father in the third heaven, as the first fruit of his spiritual harvest, the wave sheaf offering of the Old Testament the resurrected Son of God. Mary rushed to the disciples. I have seen the Lord, she exclaimed. The men in the room jumped to their feet. One demanded, You found his body? Where is it? No, I have seen the Lord. He is alive. 
He spoke to me in the garden, outside the tomb. He is reason. He is ascending to his father, our father, to his God and our God. God the Father had resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the resurrection. He had resurrected Lazarus. And now that he himself had been resurrected, the bodies of others who had died were also resurrected to physical life. They too went into Jerusalem and appeared to many people. This was another miraculous sign of the good news of Jesus' resurrection. His life, death, and resurrection had made it possible for human beings to live again, not just physically, but eventually to be resurrected to eternal spiritual life. While the disciples began to realize that Jesus had been resurrected, the Roman soldiers who had guarded the tomb went into the city to tell the chief priests what had happened. The priests were furious. They assembled the elders and decided what to do. They still would not admit that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ they decided to pay the soldiers a large sum of money to lie and say that they fell asleep while they were on duty and woke up to find evidence that the disciples came during the night, somehow rolled away the stone and took away the body. Later that same Sunday, two disciples, including one named Cleopas, were walking seven miles toward the village of Emmaus, discussing everything that had happened. As their journey took them further away from the crowds around Jerusalem, another man joined them. What is it you're talking about? The man asked. And why are you so sad? Have you not been in Jerusalem these past few days? Cleopas asked. Do you not know all the things that have just happened here? What things? The man asked. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet of God and spoke powerfully, doing mighty works before God and all the people. Cleopas answered, How the chief priests and our governors condemned him to die and crucified him. Yet this man, who has died as the one we trusted, would redeem Israel. And now three whole days have elapsed since this occurred. Not only that, but some women from among us who went to the tomb early this morning found that his body was gone. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of the men with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. O oh, fools, the man said, you are slow of heart to believe what all the prophets have spoken. Should not the Christ suffer these things and be glorified? Then the man began to remind them and teach them what Moses and the prophets had written in the scriptures and how those writings apply to these events. His clear and authoritative way of teaching 
kindled love in them for him and what he was preaching to them. When they reached Emmaus, it seemed that the man would continue journeying down the road. However, Cleopas and the other disciple convinced him to stay with them. Since it was almost evening, he obliged, and they sat down to eat supper together. The two disciples asked the man to do the honor of asking the blessing. As he took the unleavened bread, prayed over it, broke it, and gave it to them, they realized who he was, Jesus Christ himself. Then suddenly, he miraculously vanished. Shocked, the two disciples sat across from each other, holding their unleavened bread and staring across the table. Then they grabbed their things, stood up, and headed back toward Jerusalem, chattering rapidly about what they had just seen. Late on Sunday, most of the disciples were together in a house in Jerusalem. They kept the door shut, fearful that the Jewish leaders were searching for them. Suddenly, someone appeared right in the middle of the room and said, Peace be to you. The disciples were terrified, thinking they had seen a spirit, but it was Jesus Christ. Why are you troubled? He asked them. Why do your hearts doubt? Look at my hands and my feet. It's me. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He then asked for some food and ate it with them, showing that he could pass through walls as a spirit being, but also manifest himself as a human being. As they sat together at the table, he corrected them for doubting and not believing the women who had first seen him after he was resurrected. Doubt was something the disciples struggled to overcome. Even the eleven disciples, who had been with Jesus the most during his ministry, this time with Jesus really encouraged them. But the disciple Thomas had not been with the others when Jesus Christ had appeared in their midst. Later, when they told him what had happened, he firmly responded, Unless I see him myself, and I see in his hands the wound from the nails, and put my hand in it, and thrust my hand into his side, where he was stabbed, I will not believe. Eight days later, Thomas and the other disciples were again inside a house with the door shut. Suddenly, Jesus appeared in the middle of the room with them. Peace be unto you, he said. Then he looked at Thomas and said, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. He had heard every word Thomas had said. Don't be faithless, Thomas, but believing. My Lord, my God! Thomas exclaimed, amazed and joyful. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. During this period, Jesus Christ came to his disciples miraculously, appearing and vanishing. He never stayed with them long. Later, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two other disciples went to Galilee, 
This is where the angels had told them to go, through the two women named Mary. But they did not see Jesus Christ there, and they did not know what to do. I'm going fishing, Peter finally said. He had left his boats and nets more than three years ago to follow Jesus. He had experienced so much since then, and he knew there was more to do to serve God. But for now, he just wanted to do something familiar, something he was good at. We're going with you, the other disciples said, and they set off from the shore to troll for fish during the night. We've lost our touch, Peter said wryly as the sun began to lighten the sky the next morning. There are plenty of fish in this spot, but none of them are swimming into our net. On the shore, a man called to them. Children, do you have any food? No, Peter called back. We haven't caught anything. Cast your net on the right side of the ship and you will have a catch. The man said, Might as well, right? Nathaniel said, Go ahead. Peter answered. The men hauled the heavy net out of the water and maneuvered it over the starboard side, gently dropping it into the water. I'm feeling tension on my line, Thomas said. Peter furrowed his brow. The net wasn't even down to the proper depth yet. Was something caught in it? Taking and feeling the line, Peter realized the net wasn't caught on the boat or a rock. It was full of fish. The disciples tried to draw it in, but it was so full that they couldn't bring it over the gun into the boat. That man told us to move the net just to the other side, and now we have an enormous catch. John exclaimed, It is the Lord appearing to us again. Instantly, Peter threw on his fisherman's coat and jumped into the water, swimming for shore. The other disciples looked at each other, then fastened the net in place and rowed their vessel 400 feet back to the shore. Once they got to the shore, they saw more fish, already prepared and cooking over a nice fire of glowing coals alongside a platter of bread. When Jesus told the men to bring up the net, they counted 153 large fish, a tremendous haul that would normally have broken the net. The men ate together. The disciples were so amazed to see Jesus again that they didn't know what to say. This was the third time he had appeared to his close disciples, and the seventh time he had appeared to anyone since his resurrection. After eating, Jesus had something to teach his disciples, especially his chief disciple. Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? He asked. Yes, Lord, you know that I am your friend. Peter answered. Feed my lambs. Jesus responded. He was reminding Peter of his role as chief apostle, but he was also correcting him. Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Jesus asked again. Yes, Lord. Peter answered, feeling uncomfortable 
and remembering how he had said similar things before forsaking Jesus and denying that he knew him. You know that I am your friend. Feed my sheep, he answered. After a moment, Jesus asked Peter a slightly different question. Simon, son of Jonas, are you even my friend? Peter felt grieved over what Jesus was exposing in his character. He had asked him a question three times, the same number of times Peter had denied knowing him. Lord, you know all things. Peter answered, You know that I am your friend. Feed my sheep, he answered. Jesus was correcting Peter and helping to prepare his character for what would come. Peter would lead the disciples. He would receive the Holy Spirit to overcome his sins. And rather than deny Jesus again, he would eventually go so far as to die for him. The resurrected Jesus Christ had appeared to some of the women who had followed him, to Peter, then to the other disciples. At one point, he appeared to more than 500 of his followers at once. Later, he would appear to his half-brother James, and eventually, he would appear to the Apostle Paul. The disciples met Jesus Christ at a mountain in Galilee, where he had told them to go. Here, he gave them their mission. All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Preach the gospel to everyone. Teach them to observe all the commands I have given you. Those who believe will see signs. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new languages. They will be invulnerable to snakes and poison and they will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Jesus appeared again to his followers over the course of 40 days after he was resurrected. In Jerusalem, he taught them from the scriptures and showed them the things they had not understood before, especially the prophecies about how Christ would not only come in power and glory, but how he would first come to suffer, to be killed for the sins of mankind, and to rise from the dead on the third day. He taught them that they should preach in all nations about repentance from sin, beginning right there in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, he said, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Jesus' followers were still in a city controlled by the Jewish leaders. Those leaders had shown their power to overrule the laws and kill someone whose teachings they didn't like. They had subjected Jesus to the worst torture and death possible. And now that the darkness and the earthquake during the crucifixion were in the past, 
and nothing worse had happened. The Jewish leaders were more bold to find Jesus' disciples, accuse them of taking his body out of the tomb, and to make examples of them by severely punishing them. But Jesus Christ's command was to stay in Jerusalem. They were emboldened by the fact that even crucifixion and death had not destroyed him. He was showing them his miraculous power and teaching them the deep meaning of the scriptures and prophecies. He had promised to be with them, so they stayed in Jerusalem. A few weeks after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and ten days before the day of Pentecost, Jesus Christ appeared to his followers again. This time, he led them through the streets full of people, out the city gate, and across the way to Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He slowed and turned to face his disciples. Lifting up his hands, he quieted them. Jesus said he would leave them to go to his Father, but not long after, they would receive the Holy Spirit. As he was speaking, something startling happened. He began ascending up from the ground and into the sky toward a shining cloud and out of view. While the disciples stared at the sky, amazed, two men in white clothing appeared beside them. You men of Galilee, one of them said, Why are you standing there gazing at the sky? The same Jesus who has just been taken up from you into heaven shall return in the same manner. At some point in the future, Jesus Christ, the glorified Jesus Christ, would return from heaven to the Mount of Olives at Jerusalem. The disciples cried out with joy, praising God and talking excitedly with each other. They returned into the city even went into the temple among the Jews and their priests, boldly praising God. Jesus Christ had now returned to his Father's side, where he had lived for eternity as the Word. He had reduced himself to a lowly human being. He had placed his life in his Father's hands. He had fought and won a spiritual battle to never sin, in any way, not even once. He had taught deep, powerful, hidden things about what the scriptures meant. He had worked amazing miracles. He had sacrificed his body and his life to be scourged and crucified. He had taken on all the sins of human beings. He had died. He had been resurrected 
and now he and his father could bring human beings into their family. He was also now the head of the Church of God. He was the high priest and intercessor for the true Christians. He called his own brethren. He was the advocate for them before his father and their father, his God and their God. His miraculous power would support his apostles as they bravely went out to preach his message of the kingdom of God everywhere. As he returned to the right hand of his father, the two God-beings, surrounded by their faithful angels, celebrated the magnificent accomplishment and the joyful plan ahead. Now, before the next immensely joyful event in universe history, the glorious return of Jesus Christ, there was a church to raise up. God the Father, Jesus Christ, and their people had a work to do. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story, find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.